Hi, and welcome back to the Outsource Accelerator podcast. Today with me, I have Carmen Booth. She is the CEO and co-founder of Booth and Partners. Today, we have a chat to Carmen about their boutique outsourcing company and their positioning in the market and how they help their clients globally uh, excel with their outsourcing operations. It was a good conversation with Carmen. And as always, I I really learned a lot. And it's great to see behind the scenes of businesses such as Carmen's and really how they're changing the world with offshore staffing. So a great conversation. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you're already outsourcing, about to start, or somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your outsourcing practices. We list over 700 outsourcing suppliers on our website, host this leading outsourcing podcast, and have over 5,000 pages of content. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. We offer everything from light brokerage, co-managed services, through to fully managed solutions. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Mention that you're a podcast listener and we will give you special attention plus a 10% discount. This is for a limited time only. Go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Carmen Booth, CEO and co-founder of Booth and Partners. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Derek. Thanks for having me. And we're all going through this crazy COVID and we're about to go, it looks like, into another bit of a lockdown. How has COVID been for your operations and and business? Uh, Overall, COVID has, um, it's, it's, we've worked through the challenges of COVID and being operational in the office. But I think in the grand scheme of things in the last year, it's, proven that we as a company have been adaptable to the changes that have been thrown our way. Um, And if anything, COVID has shed some positive light in terms of allowing a work from home culture, at least in our situation, and um, showing the world that, you know, working from home and not in an office every day is kind of the way forward, um, not just in outsourcing, but in corporate culture as a whole. Yeah, it's fascinating that, isn't it? It's really changed before our eyes. Can I assume before COVID you were fully office-based as as an operation? Yeah, pre-COVID we were 100% office-based with that looming pressure from some clients to consider a remote work setup and um, obviously had my own doubts in terms of how do we, we get this going. And I think COVID really pushed us obviously towards that direction. And we've been one of the fortunate ones to to say that we've been successful in being able to implement that during the pandemic. And is that now, do you think, you know, we don't really know the end of the pandemic, but do you think remote work will be a core function or it will be uh, sort of a side function of the business? 
Uh, for our business specifically, it will be a core function. Um, it will be a, and there's a lot of ways in why that will be a core function from us, not just necessarily from the pandemic standpoint, but it also allows us and aligns with a lot of our core values as a company in terms of offsetting carbon emissions, a better work-life balance, um, as long as productivity numbers continue to stay at the standards that they have been. So at least for us as a business, it's it's here to stay. The remote work option is is here and it's service offering moving forward. Yeah, it's fascinating times, isn't it? We're, we're just having to sort of evolve to the environment that we're in. But uh, it is incredible how people cope and systems cope and obviously all of the staff adjust and the clients adjust. It's it's incredible to watch, really. Correct, yeah. Um, kind of a unified front uh, with the same goal at the end of the day. So it's been um, it's been an interesting ride, but at least from our case, a positive ride. And so tell us a little bit about Booth and Partners, if you if you would come. Give us an introduction to your BPO. Sure, absolutely. So we, uh, Booth and Partners is, uh, it's technically a boutique uh, outsourcing company. And we, we really are in between a BPO and KPO. And the reason for that is we tend to, we don't hold um, employees like in a database to just implement and activate into a campaign or with a specific client. We really focus a lot on the recruitment aspect and building teams for our clients that best suit their business requirements. So, you know, that's whether it's network engineering or admin or accounting or customer service across the board, we really do recruit specifically for um, certain skill sets that our clients require. So, we are boutique because we are a smaller organization. Um, we're under a thousand people and we really specialize in working with clients who may have not outsourced before and handholding that experience and taking processes from um, on ground, whether it's a US, Australia, UK, et cetera, offshore to an offshore team. Uh, our big motto is really, we are an extension of your team. So the whole concept is that we're not, we don't want to be seen as just an outsourcing division of your company, but we are an extension of your actual parent company. And I think a a big positive of how we've set up our company is we are able to adapt each team's culture to mimic the parent companies. And so that's a big win for a lot of our clients. You know, they don't want to necessarily instill just a standard BPO culture or the traditional BPO setup. Um, They really want to instill the core values of the corporate client um, as well as the company culture. And so we do adapt to our clients' requirements in that sense um, and ensure that we are aligned both as our company and our clients' um, in terms of that work uh, environment and culture. So that's a big one. Um, but Booth and Partners as a whole it was really started seven years ago uh, between myself and my business partner, Jamie. And we, we it was funny because we were wearing both hats. We were actually the client on that point of time. Um, we had a business in Seattle that required some customer service support. And we were at the time living in Singapore and did some look-sees in Manila and thought, you know, we should outsource customer service because it's a lower cost environment. You know, Filipinos by nature are very good at customer service. English is the national language. And so looked around, but what we really found was the lack of flexibility from a lot of the companies we met. You know, it was us doing the training. It was us owning the the data. um, And we wanted to be able to create the culture that we wanted for our company in Seattle here in the Philippines. And at the time, I would say it was maybe a little bit less available in terms of that flexibility. So we, we assumed I'm a, I'm American, but I'm also Filipina. And I thought, well, maybe this is something we could set up. There's an opportunity here, um, a bigger opportunity. And so that's kind of how Booth and Partners evolved is really from a client's 
mindset versus the outsourcing partner's mindset um, and being able to adapt that flexible style of um, what our clients really need versus the rigid BPO style of, of um, call center mentality. So that's really how Booth and Partners, Partners started with one engaged client, uh, which was ourselves, and then grew into that network um, of that business that we had uh, organically over the next, I guess, last seven years. Um, and then from there also growing and diversifying our client portfolio uh, over the last seven years. So yeah, it, it's been a, it's been a fun ride. Um, I've definitely learned a lot and we are definitely in a great moment right now of upward growth, which is exciting. Great. And that's exactly how I started my outsourcing journey as well. I, I needed right. customer service and 24 seven, attention of customer service and it's just cost prohibitive really anywhere else in the world isn't it other than the primary outsourcing destinations and the philippines does it so well but so commonly you know it is this journey into hey let's see if we can get our customer service done and then it just opens your eyes to the incredible potential of the philippines and the staffing here and the skills and caliber here so it's uh, it's funny that it's the journey the, the beginning of the journey for so many people yeah, adapt, adapt, um, to be able to adapt, I guess, see the opportunity, but also just such an eye opener. Um, I, I was born here, but I was not raised in the Philippines. And so coming back just to see the amount of talent in this country is just unbelievable. And there's just so much opportunity for creating such a great working environment and, and, um, and something really special. So I, I'm really confident in the Philippine talent and, and where it can go. And is your uh, other business in Seattle still going or have you migrated now fully over to this business? We, we've we migrated now fully to this business. So we've sold our shares there and are fully engaged now in um, our businesses in the Philippines, which is um, growing. So it's it's definitely taking up both of our attentions full time, which is exciting. Super exciting. And you say, you know, you are an extension of your client companies and mm-hmm. it, it's a very common model now, which is this staff augmentation effectively. And mm-hmm. it, it's kind of the ideal to really just treat them as they would be your own team. And the, the sort of less uh, you make of it, the better. You know, it, it's just treat them like your own employees, treat them like they're working beside you. They're just sitting in a different location. How do you sort of manage the the operational delivery? Do you guys get involved in terms of deliverables in terms of output quality standards or is that typically then the remit of the client company both um so we we have three main service offerings i would say the first would be the fully managed solution which is more the traditional bpo um kind of setup where clients engage us they say we need you know 10 customer service people these are your kpis please execute as you need be but make sure you hit the targets so that would be our full managers on board and it's our responsibility to manage the output quality control training etc that would be the more traditional setup and that's the fully managed solution the most popular one that we do today is called co-manage or staff leasing, which is a cost plus model. So effectively, our clients manage the output of their team and want the day-to-day interaction because it is effectively an extension of their department in the US or Australia, wherever it may be in the world. But they need the support on the back end from an HR perspective, a quality or training um, guidance perspective. So we support the team and our key stakeholders um, from a back end perspective, but the day-to-day management um, and accountability is with 
the client themselves. And that's really a choice that they make. Um, and then there's staff augmentation that you say where clients say, hey, we want a presence in the Philippines. We need some help hiring, but we don't need anything else, just like payroll, HR support, and that's it. And so those are the three main service offerings that we do with the most popular one today being the co-managed solution. And when you started off seven years ago, and obviously you were the first client and you so intimate had an intimate understanding of how this whole thing worked, mm-hmm. how did it go the first day when you started selling these services externally and sort of crossing that chasm of getting educating people about outsourcing the different service provisions and how it all fits together? I guess, yeah, seven years ago, we didn't offer this many services. It was really just the first option, which was fully managed. And that was really the more traditional outsourcing mindset back then. Um, and it was, to be honest, it wasn't a hard sell. You know, it, it's it's easy to sell the Philippine talent from customer service or APAR functions. The technology is here. And the cost um, cutting solutions are 60% less than what it would be back home. And so um, it was not relatively a hard sell once you had an engaged customer um, looking into building a team offshore. Mm. It's just really getting people to to build the awareness and getting people to really open their eyes to the potential, yeah. Correct, yeah, because leads that do come into the Philippine market, they already know it's a cost-cutting solution, and so it's just really finding the right company that can grow with the business requirements that you that you have and what's the best fit for, for you as you build your team offshore and develop that trust and rapport with. So, um, yeah, it, it, it wouldn't, I, I would say it's, um, it's almost a no brainer for companies that are trying to hit a rapid growth, um, but at the same time, keep costs manageable in the back end and be able to off shore tasks that are not necessarily client facing or involved in that growth aspect you know the back end such as ap ar possibly chat support customer service it and knock those are all roles that are do really well here in the philippines and how do you i suppose counsel or advise clients about cost cutting which essentially outsourcing you know one of the major benefits is is the cost of course, and but still maintaining quality because there's there's a bit of a unfortunate push for people to maybe try and save more and more and drop the right. wages and drop the facilities. How do you advise people to really kind of maintain the quality? Right. Well, we we have a benchmark of, of salary ranges, and any any clients that really want to start nitpicking that or like nickel and diming and cutting wages is really it's it doesn't align with us as booth and partners and our core values you know we're here to really create a fair and equal employment setup for our employees that we hire um and that's really really important to jamie and i and so um you know the the salary in itself to employ someone in the philippines is already significant savings for that of hiring someone in a western country and so you know those finer little details are not something that we may be aligned with um we're really really important to us that we keep the salaries with the benchmark of the industry. Um, You know, there's other ways where we can cut costs. Maybe you don't need an office space. Maybe you need a flexi office space. Maybe you don't need certain IT equipment. There are other ways where we are willing to reduce the cost. But in terms of wages, I really feel strongly that that's not something that should really be um, tweaked too much from industry standards. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, 
it's essential that everyone wins from this this Absolutely. arrangement. Yeah. Right. And, and I guess to answer your question directly, how do I explain that to a potential client or a client? Um, you know, it's retention. Do you want to, you're investing into training your team here offshore and, and you know, training is money, time is money. And if we can't retain the staff because they're, they can earn more somewhere else because we're under the benchmark of the industry, that is just, it'll end up costing more at the end of the day. So rather than working backwards, just move forward and look, look at a proactive solution and just keeping the benchmarks even. Um, and we can look at other ways to cut costs. Um, and as a company, we will help them do that. You know, we can reduce office spaces. We can look at, you know, less IT requirements. You know, there's other ways we can cut the cost for you. But a big part of our um, motivation as well is retaining our team because, as I say, training is expensive. And from your perspective, you, you're from the Philippines, you're a Filipina, you were raised in the US, and there are at times some ethical concerns that what people get paid in the Philippines is not right. But what can you say about a, a salary, you know, someone in their mid-20s earning 500 or or $1,000 a month? Is that, is that a good salary for people here? It is. It is a good salary for people here. And that's, that's the industry standard and culturally that's, that is what it is cost to work in the Philippines. You know, so whether you're employing someone in the Philippines and you're feeling guilty where all other industries are, you know, at the same salary wage, if not lower. And if anything, the BPO industry is driving up that middle class, I think, in a positive way and providing jobs for uh, the Filipino talent so that they don't need to, we don't need to travel um, and live away from our families in different countries to earn a better income. I think the BPO industry is bringing a lot of positive back into the Philippines. Um, Being able to keep people here, be close to family and earn fair wages. And those rates are currently today fair wages for the Philippine culture. Yeah, and we see huge salary inflation actually, and mm-hmm. the it's pretty much the outsourcing industry that's single-handedly producing a, a middle class in the Philippines and really Correct. driving this economy forward. So Correct. Uh, it, it's very much a win-win, isn't it? And from the business point of view, other than cost savings, what are the benefits of, of outsourcing? Uh, consolidation, um, process consolidation, um, Support, I guess. So it's effectively, you know, cost is obviously the biggest thing. You know, one of the clients that we've worked with in the past had offices all across Asia Pacific and wanted to consolidate one specific task to one office. And they worked with us to do that. And so we worked with 12 different countries to consolidate one process to so bring that all into the Philippines to one team um, and the level of control to that process. It was a positive win. Um and then I, I, yeah, so I think those were probably the two biggest uh, reasons. Where were you before COVID and, and it was all office based? Are you still maintaining offices? Uh, yes, we are. We, we are still maintaining all of our offices because while I feel that COVID has shifted us to a remote work set up um, in the last year. And while I say that remote work is here to stay, at least for our organization, I do think there's a lot of value add in terms of the engagement aspect and how important that is, at least for our company culture. And so we really want to shift to, yes, a remote remote work setup, but also flexi model. So, you know, one from a BCP standpoint, if your internet goes down at home, you can pick up your laptop and come to the office where you know there's reliable, secure, multiple internet lines. Um, And second is just engagement. Creating rapport with your team, your managers in person is crucial and we'll never be able to replace that. So I think that's also important that we 
shift our model to that in the future um, and continue to keep our spaces to allow for, it's more of a hub. Our spaces will be more of an office hub where people can come in and out as needed, as things settle down, um, do team activities, do training seminars, do, you know, or just work from the office one day a week, just so you're, you're out of your routine from home and to see your colleagues, because that is important. You mentioned previously some common roles that, that are easily outsourced. What are the mm-hmm. what are the businesses that or the sectors that you typically deal with or focus on within your business? It's funny, I get this question a lot of of what is our focus as a company? And we don't actually have a sector that we are specific on. Uh, we we handle all sectors and all industries. And the reason for that is I mentioned we're more of a KPO than a BPO. So we really hire talent based on our clients' requirements. Um, so we do everything from you know IT network, um, telecom companies uh, to recruitment companies um, and backend work for them to um, a lot of e-commerce companies in the US. So we really hire based on the talent that's required of us. So I would say our specialty is really the recruitment, HR, payroll aspect and engagement um, and a pre-COVID facilities and creating that that culture in the office. So um, that is what we are mostly experts in. And then we will handpick and place, build teams based on client requirements and um, and skill sets. And what is the recruitment process like then? I mean, you know, I... Is it any different to a recruitment process in the U.S.? How does it, what is the process when you involve the the third-party client? Right. So our recruitment process has continued to evolve. And and since COVID has gone completely digital, even to a point now where our first level is um, sending in uh, online uh, videos of your you know, your online video CV, um, just so we can kind of engage and see who the candidate is. But our clients uh, from a co-managed service and a staff augmentation service, they actually choose their teams. So our recruitment team will shortlist candidates um, up you know, up to five to 10, depending on how many the client needs to hire. So we will do all the screening, all the pre-checks, uh, skill set requirements, and then initial first and second round interviews. Our clients are actually engaged in that process and they actually do the final interview and hand select their team based on who they feel is best to work with on a day-to-day basis. And the reason for that is it's co-managed, right? So our clients are actually managing the team team's output every day. And so they need to be able to have that rapport with the team and build their own team. So they actually make the final hires. With a new client that's new to outsourcing, how do you onboard mm-hmm. them in terms of the expectations, in terms of them having the the faculties to, to run a team remotely? Right. Um, so usually when clients are, are signed on, um, they have our clients actually have an orientation, just like employees have an orientation. So our HR manager and then the assigned client service manager will actually sit down with a client over Zoom, go and we have an online portal um, and a spreadsheet where we go through every single detail of how our HR policies, how our how our payroll services are, how our client service managers work, and we'll do a Q and A as well of you know how the system works to onboard the client properly so that expectations are set and managed from day one. Um, And then there's also a relationship there being established because our client service managers are actually operation managers. And so they work really closely with our clients in terms of support on the back end. You know, how are things working with the team? Where can we tweak it? How do we ensure better service delivery? Are there areas of concern? Are there areas of positives? Um, So it's really um, a hand-holding process, and it continues to be throughout the relationship of the contract. 
And you spend you know reasonable amounts of time in the U.S. Still, how, how do you see the awareness of outsourcing of the Philippines uh, in business, and how has that changed over the last seven years? I think it's become a lot more acceptable. Um, and you know, there's always a stigma of outsourcing because you think of call centers and you think of telemarketing and you think of getting nonstop telemarketing calls on your phone, and that's not really where outsource is going. That's, that might be the old school version of it, but I think there's a lot of value to add today. And people are with the remote work setup in COVID. I think it's really opened people's eyes in the U.S. to to realize you don't have to be in office to be productive, right? And so there's a lot of value add in being able to outsource back-end roles that may or may not be client-facing to allow your key staff back home in the U.S. to to work towards the bigger goal of growing the companies or, you know, doing client deliverables, et cetera. But the back-end stuff really can be outsourced. And I think there's a lot of positive light being shed on that um, today. Yeah, it's crazy. It's sort of there's this new world coming and and I think it's just around the corner where things are becoming increasingly globalized and now people are increasingly comfortable with remote work and they have Mm -hmm. all the digital technology to facilitate that and then they're kind of thinking if I'm going to hire someone remotely in Seattle or New York why 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 don't we yeah yeah, exactly. Or I could huh? hire four people in the Philippines um, that can do much more for that one hire, perhaps, you know, as an example. Exactly. So I think yeah. I think a big thing is you hit it on the head there, Derek, is the digitalization um, and where technology has really taken us today. has It's really what's allowed us to thrive in a work from home environment and to continue to grow into that. So, you know, it's a big part of it is the technology. And do you help clients with technology and do you have standard systems or are you more inclined to adopt their systems and processes? Both. So some clients don't have standard systems in place um, or IT requirements. And so we have a dedicated ID team that will step in and support them in whatever their setup requires to be. But to be very honest, most of our clients have their own. We are almost 100% cloud-based. And so our clients want us to use their CRM and they'll create us our own security logins, no problem. Um, most of our clients have their own processes in place that they ask us to adapt to and which, which we do. One of the common questions I get from the the beginners that are a little bit sort of concerned about the whole concept, how, how do you know they're working? You know, and, and it comes down to, you know, are you, are you sort of watching them minute by minute or is it the broader kind of let them be free and let, let them produce? How do you sort of tend to oversee staff and then also give assurances to, to first-time outsourcers? We have in-house productivity monitoring. Um, I'm not a big fan of the micromanagement of watching people to see, are you are you accountable for your work? I think it's a luxury right now to be able to work from home in the Philippines. And I think that our team knows that and they've definitely held up their end of the bargain in terms of product. To be honest, our productivity numbers are higher in a work from home setup than they ever have been in an office setup. And a lot of that's probably just the fatigue of the commute and eliminating that from the day to day. But um we, we do have our operation managers and our quality assurance managers are on top of that and checking on productivity. But it's pretty obvious because most of our clients and ourselves have ticketing systems and we can monitor who's hitting their ticket volumes and who's not on the back end perspective. So it's easily spotted. But on top of that, we do um, productivity calls with our clients to ensure that we're, you know, we're assuring them that we're on top of it. But they can also see if we're slacking on the back end and not hitting our ticket volumes. And you've mentioned, you know, in that there's a lot of different roles that are involved in the success of, of one particular worker. 
And sometimes clients are, you know, a little bit like, why there's a salary and then why do we pay you for your services? Can you give some sort of insight into the, the different staff, the different uh, functions within your services that oversee the success of just one employee, for example? Sure. Um, so the value that we add into the or- to, into the billing. Um, well, one, clients can't technically legally hire without a local entity in the Philippines. So they do need a local partner to facilitate the physical, legal employment of the employee. But second, there's a lot that goes on the back end. You know, everything from the HR team, and it's a team, it's not one person, it's a full HR team that we have to ensure that we're compliant with all the Department of Labor requirements. Um, that is a full-time team's job in itself. Uh, We have a full finance team that is ensuring, you know, payroll, but aside from payroll, benefits are being sorted, social security, social security loans. There's a lot that goes in the back end from an accounting perspective to to keep the team going um, and to keep the company running. Uh, Recruitment, we have a full recruitment team that adds value in terms of sourcing the talent that our clients require. Um, We do have an engagement team. uh, And even in COVID and in digital times, there is a lot of engagement activities that continue to happen, whether it's competitions online, video competitions, I have seen some teams go on social distance bike rides, et cetera. But, you know, engagement is crucial in terms of of keeping keeping that culture going and and keeping the camaraderie with your colleagues. That's very, very important. Um, And then training and quality assurance. We have a full training quality assurance team on the back end supporting our clients to ensure that we're productive. We're hitting the quality of standards that are required for our clients um, and that there's a training and the ability to upskill our team or um, support them in areas of shortfalls as well, because we want the team to have the opportunity to succeed in their roles. There's so much that goes into the a machine. Lot. Yeah. yeah, there and, is a lot. Yeah, and it's all it's all there so that the employee and the client can just get on with their work, and they're not bothered with any of it. Basically, yeah, it's just correct. Yeah, the whole concept of of how we are as the I guess the local partner in the Philippines is. The clients are here to engage, build a team, and hit the ground running. Like Their job is to build and grow their companies or departments, wherever that might be. But they don't want to deal or necessarily need to deal with the nuances of the back end. You know, everything from tax filings to, as I mentioned, all the list of teams that support in the back end. And, and that's where really where we thrive. And how do you, how do you coach a, a prospective client that is worried about the whole thing, they're uncertain about the whole thing, and, you know, I, I often find that it's best to get them in, ensure you need to get them a quick win so that they build their confidence and so mm-hmm. that they start to build trust in the staff. How mm-hmm. do you encourage people to take that first step? Let's start with a small team. Um, I think a lot of our clients have that same, uh, I wouldn't say fear or doubt, but hesitation in terms of going all in into a market they may not know. Um, And so our advice, and it's actually proven to be successful, is, hey, let's not jump into this too soon. Let's start with a small team. Let's start with less than five people. Let's build this team and and let's see how you do. Let's do a a six-month or one-year trial and see how you like it. And if we can prove ourselves, and that's where really our managers come on board and, and really thrive is some skin in the game is what I call it. And, um, you know, our success is cheesy, but our success is your success. And, and it really is true. And I would have to say to date, we've not lost a single client in that kind of motto. And, um, most of our clients start with teams of five or less. And today are in, you know, our largest team is 60, uh, I'm sorry, no, a hundred. And, um, and so they're growing, um, after we build that trust report and really we prove ourselves. And so that's how I, I kind of sell it to them is let us prove ourselves first that we're the right partner for you here in the Philippines. And if you feel we're not, 
fair game. We had a shot at it, but guarantee we'll do well in setting up your team for you and helping you get it going. It's so exciting to see, isn't it? And it's so common that people start with one or two staff. They're a little bit nervous, but then they, they get the they get the drift and then they're up to 50 staff or a hundred staff because right. it usually starts with one department. And then the next thing you know, Hey, my finance team wants to bring on people. My marketing team wants you to hire people. You know, it just starts at trickle effect there um, with organic growth. And it's, it's really, really cool to see um, because you know, at that point that they've really, they've trusted us and that we've proven ourselves to, to be the, the partner of choice. Yeah, it's so, so exciting to see. And, you know, I think the businesses, they say products are either painkillers or vitamins. And mm. so many people see outsourcing as a kind of vitamin. It's good to have, but until people Once actually, you've had a taste of it. Yeah, you know, right. it, it's people need to start this today. Yeah, it's, it's so powerful for businesses. It is, yes. Where do you see then the price structures? How do they all overlap? And how do you... Like how, how are your prices set with those different pricing models? Right. So I've always, we've always as a company been in the spirit of transparency. So with, with fully managed, there's a lot that goes into that because as I mentioned, it's all hands on deck and it's our responsibility to manage the output. So that's obviously the highest tiered pricing that we have, but co-managed is the most popular or I guess it's shifting. A lot of the, our models are shifting towards that direction. And that's where I say it's spirit of transparency really, um, is required. So it's basically the staff cost. And we, we just fully disclose, we actually send out finance reports every quarter to our clients and we'll go through it line by line item. Here's the staff salary. Here's the staff allowance. Here's their mandated benefits. Here's the value added benefits. It's all line by line by, by peso by dollar. Um, and then it shows our management fee fully is set, set there. It's out in the open. And, um, and I mentioned earlier the value of that management fee. So that's a set cost. Um, and then there's the third item, which is facilities, whether a client needs it or not. And so they could elect to use an office if they would like their team in the office every day. There's the flexi model where they can their team can use it as BCP or use the office a few days a week. And then there's full work from home where that line item is removed completely. So it's really um, set in categories and it's fully visible to our clients. There's nothing for us to hide. And um, and I love that. I love their set because that's a big part of the trust, right? Being able to see where their dollars are going to and why. Um, and that's that's to me is very important. So um, that's something that we do for all our clients. The transparency is so important, isn't it? And it especially is, yeah. if, you, if you're building like a long-term relationship and employees then become almost part of the family. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so critical to start that off with a, with a transparent, open relationship. And only yesterday I was having a conversation sort of gossiping about uh, some other big name BPOs. And right. apparently they will have low headline service fees mm. uh, and then the staff salaries they actually take a sort of hidden cut of the staff salaries and apparently yeah. this was happening in some fairly established bpos so it's yeah, very important I think that's, to have that transparency that's the old, old school model um and it's one of the reasons why we we started booth and partners is that i just it didn't sit well with me when we did our own recce a few years mm. ago seven years ago eight years ago and and i just felt that if we if we were to do this we need to make sure it's it's fair on both you know all parties have to win it can't just be one way. Um, and we have to take care of the talent here in the Philippines. And that's something that we're very passionate on. I guess the last thing I, I want to say is the, the passion projects we hold as a company and our our goal. And I think this is rare for the Philippines. And I hope that more companies kind of strive to this in the future is we're a big part of an organization called Climate Neutral, um, you know, amongst other CSRs that we do, like 1% for the Planet and Let's Play, which is a music program for kids. But a big part of what Jamie and I are really working towards right now is 
is our responsible our responsibility as a corporation and offsetting our carbon emissions. And this is something I don't know if it's because we're from Seattle and we just have this green hat on, but we we're really passionate about the fact that as a company and as owners of a company, it's our responsibility to to take care of the environment. And so we just got our carbon um, emissions number. I guess this company, what they do is they'll measure our offset as a corporation. It's everyone's commutes, their computer usage. It's, it's quite a complex. Uh, calculation and it, us as a company get a value, and we need to offset that emissions in in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's filling a landfill or planting trees or whatnot, and giving back to the environment because of what we've taken from the air, so um, or what we've le- released to the air. So um, it's something that we're quite excited about, and I think that's worth mentioning just because it is a differentiating factor of BNP. And and aside from everything else we do as a company, the responsibility that we take on the back end as well, and something that we are passionate about. It's great. And it's great to see yeah. all of that conscientious activity. And, you know, people sometimes think that that sort of activity ends in the US, you know, and then it's just a, a jungle out in every other country. But it, it, everyone everywhere is doing their best to, to sort of work and produce responsibility aren't they? And, and that extends also to the to the workforces in the Philippines. Absolutely. I think it's a big part of maybe the retention that we've had as a company with our teams. Um, and and they also feel, and it could be just a cultural thing that we've instilled in BNP, but just um, something that we've always said from day one is that if this company is doing well, then we need to give back to the community in every way, shape and form, whether it's from a social aspect or an environmental aspect, it needs to be done. So I think that's something that the company, I can proudly say the whole company is in line with and also akin to that you know people think that these things are sweatshops in the philippines what can you say about the (laughs) yeah what can you say about the general culture and community of 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 booth and partners i think it's it's no different from your culture and office space back home you know it's we may not be in amazon where we have domes and uh cool plant, you know, like plant walls everywhere, but we're not far from it. I mean, the whole point was to create a healthy working environment um, here and we're far from a sweatshop. That might again be the traditional call center viewpoints and images from 20 years ago, but it's evolved a long way since then. And, and again, we're an extension of your team. So what you have back home, um, we've actually had some clients come to our office and say, this is actually nicer than what we have back home. Could we move to the Philippines? And, um, you know, that's a compliment. I take a lot of pride in that because it's, um, something that's really important to us that we create a really healthy working environment um, in the company, and even more so maybe than the US, the the yeah. community, the sense of community in the Philippines is so strong, massive. isn't it? It's almost it's like massive. a second family. It is absolutely, and I've I've always liked that about um, anywhere I've worked. I mean, I've worked corporate roles before, and everywhere I've worked, I've always felt that sense of community and family because these are people pre-COVID that you see every day, and I think that's that's really important. You need to enjoy going to work. You need to enjoy what you do, um, and if you don't have that, it, it's not you know it definitely shows in your output of work. So we do a lot to to try to create that, that positive environment as much as possible. Well, Carmen, thank you so much. Valuable, valuable conversation and, and insight. If anyone wants to learn more about Booth and Partners or get in touch with you, how can they do that? Great. Our, yeah, our website is just um, boothandpartners.com or I can just give you my email, which is carmen at boothandpartners.com and I'm, I'm always available. So, yeah, drop me a line. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Carmen. That'll all be in the show notes and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. That was Carmen Booth of Booth and Partners. If you want any of the show notes, as always, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash 
podcast. And if you want to ask us anything, then just send us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.